Do I invite you to just notice your breath in this moment and activate that feeling tone of love and appreciation in your heart. And then upon that love and appreciation, think about someone or something that opens your heart and allows you to relax in this moment. Something in your memory or something in your imagined future. Love and appreciation. And then to set an intention for yourself, to give this infinite divine intelligence direction that is always awaiting our collaboration. A deeper healing, an opening of abundance in your life, a creative idea, an awareness about who you are and whose you are in this moment, whatever challenge you may be facing, what decision to make. But give it direction and a welcome. It will find us or we will call it forth. So I'm so grateful this day as we move into song. Allow that love and appreciation to work for you and remind yourself as often as possible with grace and graciousness a beautiful intention, something that will delight and surprise you. So let's sing. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very And so once again, reminding ourselves to dip into that deep well of love and appreciation empowers us, opens us, and infuses our intention so beautifully and powerfully. So I give thanks this day, knowing that everything energetically, intellectually, physically, spiritually, or mentally that guides and directs each and every one of us is available that we open ourselves in this moment, that I open myself in this moment to the right and perfect phrases, words, ideas, and state of being that this sanctuary, this gathering is, is just rich with the possibility of, of deep shifting and changing into our true state, one of freedom, joy, celebration, abundance, creativity, opportunity. I'm so grateful for that divine state of genius that lives and waits for our recognition and welcome. And so I know all that and more is active this day in and through and as each and every one of us so I celebrate that experience within myself and I, I implore you and invite you to join me in that, in this moment. So in great gratitude and appreciation, knowing the table is set and we are here to feast upon the banquet of consciousness and possibility, and for this I give thanks and invite you to say with me, and so it is, amen. Beautiful. 
So someone a week ago said, I think you need a, a stole for your Sunday. And you need four stoles. You need one for spring and one for summer and fall and winter. And so they showed up this morning with it. And I thought, oh, no, they did do a stole. And so I thought, you know what? I'm talking about uh, stop breaking the habit of being yourself. And there's the, the, the tough guy in me says, I'm not going to get up and wear all those fruity colors in front of everybody. <laughs> and I said, this is perfect for what you're teaching. So, because if I wore this in my neighborhood growing up, I, I wouldn't have made it. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but isn't it nice? It's got the science of mind symbol. It's got the, the leaf for spring. It's got the butterfly from John of God. I thought, hey, cool. I'm going with it. Now, if nobody shows up next week, I'll know it had an effect, something had an effect, but I'm going with it this week. I'm just letting you know. So, it's not in my comfort zone, but here I am. Growing into something, a new possibility. And I think, wow, what a generous thing to do this. It's like, oh my gosh, you did that for me? Oh, sweet. I better wear that. All right, so talking about the quantum you. And this is a great book by Joe Dispenza. And I want to start out, I'm going to do half the story first, and then it's going to be a cliffhanger. And I'll do half the story at the end. And for those of you that like to duck out before we pass the basket, ah, you're going to have to wait. So this is a story in the end of the chapter, The Quantum You, and it's about his daughter. And I, I love this story because it's just such a great, great uh, teaching story of what we stand for as a community and consciousness. I mean, we are, we teach science of mind and spirit, which means that, you know, oh, I'll get into it in a moment and I'll get all on a roll here and then forget where I'm going. So anyway, story. My 20-year-old something daughter studies art in college. This is Dr. Joe Dispenza's daughter. It was springtime, and I, and, and, and I asked what she wanted to manifest during an upcoming summer break. So do you remember when your parents said to you at summer break, what do you want to manifest this summer? <laughs> yeah, me either. <laughs> I don't think I ever heard my mom or dad ever say manifest. All right. She had a laundry list. Instead of a typical college student home for the summer job, she wanted to work in Italy. Why not? Learn and experience new things. Visit at least six Italian cities and spend one week in Florence. And since she had friends there, she wanted to work for the first six weeks of the summer, making a decent wage, and then spend the rest of the break at home. That's how I used to design my summer vacations. I was still learning how to tie my shoes when I was in <coughs> first year of university. <coughs> I commended my daughter for her clear vision of what she wanted and reminded her that universal intelligence would orchestrate the way her dream summer would manifest. She would take care of the what, and a greater consciousness would handle the how. So important. What? Give the, give the infinite something juicy to work with. And then that's their job. That's its job. Since my daughter is practicing in, practice in the art of thinking and feeling ahead of the actual experience, I merely reminded her to not only set an intention every day with regard, regard to what her summer would look like, what people she would see, what events would transpire, and what places she would visit, but also to feel what it would be like to experience these things. I asked her to create the vision in her mind until it was so clear and real that the thought she was thinking became the experience, and her brain's synapses began to wire that information as if it were a reality. If she was still being the young woman in the dorm room with a dream of going to Italy, then she was still the same person living the same reality. So while it was still March, she had to begin being that young woman who'd been in Italy for half the summer. 
No problem, she said. She had experienced this like this before when she wanted to be in a music video and when she wanted to experience an unlimited shopping spree. Both of these transpired in perfect elegance. <clears throat> I then reminded my daughter, you can't get up from your mental creation of this experience as the same person you were when you sat down. Great advice. When we sit in our prayer chair and we go to work, there should be something that shifts and changes within us or we keep sitting there until it does. I mean, as practitioners, what we teach and express is you keep praying in your own consciousness until there's a shift. We're not influencing the other individual. We're not hypnotizing them. We're not talking them into it. We're simply standing there as an advocate in consciousness, knowing a possibility for them and then knowing that infinite, with the clarity that we impress upon this infinite quantum field, this divine intelligence, we support that being brought into manifestation. It's such a beautiful practice to partner with someone in prayer. And this is what he's telling her, don't get up until you're there. I got it, she said. She understood my reminder that, that each day she had to ch change to a new state of being. And after every mental creation, she was to go about her day living in the elevated mood of gratitude generated by having had that experience. My daughter called a few weeks later. Dad, the university is offering an art history summer course in Italy. I can get the cost of the program and all expenses down from 7,000 to 4,000. Can you help pay for that? So I'll leave you there. <laughs> all right. So last week we talked about the quantum you. There's Joe. And we talked about four simple practices. One is simplify. Find something that, that brings you to life, that not only has an intellectual interest, but also a feeling tone of interest, and simplify it. Break it down into something smaller and work on it in small ways. So the trip to Italy, and what's the steps that she went through? Whatever it may be that we're desiring to have our experience in life. You know, to be, to be uh, financially free, to do the things that we want to do in our life. Well, the first thing may be is cleaning up debt. Debt is doubt. So the spiritual um, uh, interpretation of debt is doubt. So if you've got debt in your life, you've got doubt. So healing doubt would be maybe the first step. Because as doubt is healed, how will you know that doubt is healed? You won't have any more debt. Simple. Now, there will be practices. You'll actually have a physical form of probably finances come into your life. <clears throat> and you'll get to direct them in a certain way. And if eliminating doubt and debt are part of that, then that part of that practice will be that and celebrating it. So anyways, but break it down, breaking it down and then doing it in short bursts. I want to meditate. I'm going to start meditating four hours a day. Well, maybe not right away. You know, maybe 10 minutes growing into it, building the capacity, getting used to it. Watching the busy mind say, what are you doing? That, that egoic, that conscious and analytical mind that we all are so, can be so trapped in to go down below that, practice going down beneath that, and then slow, slowing the practices down so that we can notice what we're doing while we're doing it. So we talked about that last week. Here's a picture of Dr. Joe breaking the habit of being yourself. He's an amazing guy. He's basically articulating one of the core principles of our metaphysical teaching without talking about God much. He calls it the quantum field. So the quantum field, and the, the points I want to talk about this week are that energy responds to mindful attention. Energy always responds to mindful attention. It just does. We can't escape it. The next one is connected. We are connected. The quantum field is connected to everything in, in the quantum field. We are connected to everything in the quantum field. Present, future, and past. 
Present, future, and past. The third idea is heart and mind. How important it is to be congruent with heart and mind. The fourth thing is should, this should come as a surprise. The quantum field should be filled with surprise and delight and awe. And, and the last one is giving thanks. So I want to give a, do a little bit of background on, on the, the ideas of scientific thinking. One of the first guys to come along that, that had an idea about the way the universe worked, because we don't want to understand things. The intellectual mind wants to understand things, was a fellow by the name of Rene Descartes. To change your life, change your beliefs about the nature of reality. So Descartes came along and said the world is controlled by predictable laws. And then Isaac Newton came along, and Isaac piggybacked with Rene Descartes and said that humanity has little influence on outcomes. So Newton, if you know the story, the apple hit him on the top of the head, and he said, hey, there's some kind of principle going on here. And so he, he developed the idea of gravity. And gravity's a good thing. Can you imagine if we didn't have gravity, we'd be floating around everywhere. <clears throat> so these two fellows came along and said we should be able to measure it and everything that matters we can see and we can weigh and we can measure and it's got size and then Albert Einstein comes along because this is the way consciousness works and Einstein's like wait a minute because he starts measuring um, E uh, equals MC squared energy and, and the relationship to matter and he realized that particles either showed up as waves um, they showed up as particles or waves, this, this energy. And the interesting thing about it was is that what, what happened with it is that the observer influenced how they showed up. And it bothered Einstein because you couldn't measure that. It was unpredictable. So all of a sudden, Einstein's got this theory, but he, he's, trying to, he's trying to once again, in the, the tradition of Descartes and Newton, give it, uh, put it in a box. And he can't put it in a box. And so he worked with that because what he realized that the subatomic level, you have electrons, you have protons, you have neutrons, they all make up the atom, the quantum atom, which is tiny, 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 tiny. And the atom is the, is the thing, the, the foundational piece that everything is made up of. And the chairs, our clothes, us, are made up of atoms. They organize in a certain way to do a certain function. And atoms are 99.99999 on into infinity space. They're basically empty space. They're energy. Just a small fraction of it is form. I mean, it's hard to fathom that sitting here. You know, we're sitting on, you're sitting on a chair, you're sitting on a collection of atoms that have come together <clears throat> to be a chair. That's fascinating. And so what Einstein, through his work, created was the, the quantum field of waves and particles. And so the quantum field and the thing that I want to talk to you today about is the quantum field responds to the, to the mindful attention, is energetically connected to the past, present, and future, responds to heart and mind coherence, results should come as a surprise, and giving thanks. So responds to, response to mindful attention. Quantum physics, the collapse of the wave function is what this is called when the observer looks at it and, and it, it's unpredictable. It's also called the observer effect. And at the subatomic level, energy responds to your mindful attention and becomes matter. The quantum field contains a reality in which you are healthy, wealthy, and happy, and possess all of the qualities and capabilities of the idealized self that you hold in your thoughts. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that nice to know that there is an idealized uh, version of ourselves that is healthy, wealthy, and happy? 
and all the other qualities that go along with it. Dr. Holmes said this, 1926, when he wrote the, the Science of Mind textbook, he said, we could not have the longing for the experience if it didn't already exist. Your longing is an indication intuitively that you know it's there for you. But what keeps us from it? Because the very thing that can allow it to be experienced in our life is the very thing that keeps us from it, which is our own consciousness and our own awareness. And we're not here, I don't think we're here to manifest instantaneously. I think there's a lot of learning and maturing that goes on in the, in the, in the quest, in the longing. I watched, I showed Laura an, inter, an interview with Ron Perlman, and Ron Perlman's an actor that you may or may not know. He, his first movie was Quest with Fire. He played the, the orangutan-looking guy. And then he was Beauty and the Beast. Remember that TV show with Beauty and the Beast? He was the beast that lived down in the subway of New York City and was in love with Linda Hamilton, and they'd play all this. I thought that was a true story, by the way, but it turned out they were making it up. Um, he, and he's Hellboy. Have you ever seen Hellboy? And then he's also in uh, The Sons of Anarchy. But he's a character actor for the most part. He plays the dad in Sons of Anarchy. But he was telling a story about, um, about his life. And he had an experience as an actor. And I guess I identify with this because so much of his story was my story. But he would get a job. <clears throat> he got his first acting job in New York. And it was an award-winning play. And it was three years before he got another job. And he said it was like every three years... He'd have to wait. He'd have a job, and then he'd wait three years for the phone to ring. He said every once in a while he'd pick the phone up to hear if there was a dial tone anymore because it wasn't ringing. But he said what was interesting for him is where he really grew and where he really learned was in the times of struggle and challenge to stay the course, to follow his heart, to follow his passion. That's where the most learning goes. So I'm not saying we have to struggle, but if we're in those periods of transition, it's there to, to inform us and there to deepen us and grow us. But many times we look at it as if there's this arbitrary and capricious God punishing us for some reason, when in fact, the way to it is through it and having the awareness and the consciousness and the support. And he talked about it. He said, you know, when things were great, he said, I'm just on autopilot. You know, life's great. I, I, but it was those moments of challenge and struggle. They say he would get up some mornings and he had a wife and, and a child and he'd say, you know, he'd be broke and no job prospects. And he said, I had no other skills. I decided this was going to be my journey. I had no other skills. And he would get up and, and it was, three, you know, three years had gone by since the last job. And he'd say, I need to sell my house to provide for my family. In fact, I need to sell my house tomorrow. But he would talk about these experiences and he said, you become very creative and very resourceful. So... Mindful intention. The quantum universe is just waiting for a conscious observer, just waiting for a conscious observer, which is you or I, to come along and influence energy in the form of potential matter by using the mind and consciousness to make waves of energetic probabilities coalesce into physical matter. We're in it all the time. But as I said last week, most of the time we have the same thoughts. The same experiences, which create the same emotions, would take us right back to the same thoughts. So in order to shift this and break out of it, we have to let the old part of us break the habit of being ourselves and create new habits. It's, we are energetically, the second point, we are energetically connected to past, present, and future. So this is an amazing story, and I just, I love this uh, example. We are connected to everything and everyone in the universe. We just are. And sometimes we feel more connected than other times. The you that exists in a probable future is already connected to the you in this now, in a dimension beyond time and space. 
Gary Zukoff talks about that in the seat of the soul. When we heal something in this incarnation, in this moment, it radiates out in both directions, not just future but past. So, interesting study. In the, in the year 2000, Israeli doctor Leonard Libovitsky did a, a double-blind study, which means nobody knew who was in the study. And what he did, he had 3,393 hospital patients in an intercession group, and they did intercessory prayer. So he got these, the, a group together to pray for these 3,393 pa- uh, hospital patients that were all experiencing sepic, sepic uh, in, in, uh, infection, which can, be, you know, can take your life. And so what they did is, uh, or sepis, C-E-P-I-S, sepis. <clears throat> it's an infection. So half were prayed for and half were not prayed for in the group, the 3,393. And so what they prayed for was that the fevers would go away sooner, that their hospital stay would be shorter, and in many cases, let's pray for them to get better so they don't die. So they did the prayer, and what they found when they went and did the measurements after a period of time, they found that the people that were prayed for had a shorter uh, experience with their fevers, they had a shorter hospital stay, and they weren't really able to measure accurately uh, deaths, but death is really a personal thing for the soul. And so, I, you know, it doesn't surprise me that, that, that there wasn't a whole lot of difference there, although there was a bit to show that there was improvement. The interesting thing was that, yeah, the, those prayed for shorter duration of fever, shorter hospital stay, slight improvement on deaths due to, to the infection. The interesting thing is those that were prayed for <clears throat> in 2000, this prayers and study were conducted in the year 2000. And the people on the list had actually been sick and in treatment in the years between 1990 and 1996. So these people in 2000 were actually praying for people that were, in, that were having the infection four to ten years earlier. And what happened was when they looked at the study and the results, they found that those people on the list that were prayed for, as opposed to the people the other half of the list that were not prayed for, the results were substantially different. You can Google this. There's another, several articles on the Internet about this. So isn't it fascinating that at the quantum level, we can not only influence now and the future, but also our past? I love that idea. Because at the quantum level, there's no time, no space. It's all right now. It's all right now. It's all right now. So if you had a really lousy childhood, what kind of prayer work could you go into your life, into your memories, and create a, a wonderful childhood for yourself? I mean, that's, that's potent and powerful. See, what happens, what Descartes and Newton were talking about was that you are a victim to life and the energetics of the world. And then Einstein came along and said, wait a minute, this stuff's unpredictable. Different things happen, and, and it shows up here, and it shows up there, and it's sort of random. But it's influenced by our consciousness. And at the quantum level, so, so when we do forgiveness work, and we do prayer work for past generations, we are shifting and changing consciousness. There as well as here and now. But we live in this time-space continuum of you know, childhood and teenage years and young adult and all that stuff. So it would make sense, well, Jesus, that's all over. I can't do anything now about that. And yes, we can. So quite fascinating, isn't it, that someone actually had the, the courage and the crazy idea, let's not only, let's pray for people that were sick before and let's look at the results. I just think it is fascinating. It's like, well, wait a minute, they were sick back then. How would these prayers now help? And obviously they did. They impacted it in some meaningful way. 
So this, this thing should also come as a surprise. We communicate in the, and I'll get into that in a moment, but we communicate in the quantum field primarily through our thoughts and feelings. And Dr. Glenn Reed did another study, and he did it through the Heart Math Center. We're offering this Heart Math class right now. Lewis is here today, and he's teaching it. And Heart Math is an amazing practice. And basically, what heart, they have identified with the people that created Heart Math, and it's a, it's a global movement. Heart Math identified a specific link between our emotional states and our heart's rhythms. They can measure this. Negative emotions, anger, and fear, our heart rhythms become erratic and disorganized. You probably notice that when you're, you're angry and fearful. You know, there, there's, it's not a good feeling. And then when we are in love and joy, it produces a highly ordered, co- coherent pattern. So there's a, a sense of well-being. And what they did in heart math, it refers to the heart coherence experiments with 10 individuals well-practiced in this, this heart math practice. They applied techniques to produce strong, elevated feelings such as love and appreciation while they held vials containing DNA. So they had human DNA and vials and they sat and they just thought about love and appreciation. And you know what happened with the vials of DNA as they held it in love and appreciation? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing, nothing in terms of the vials of DNA, which were their, they were using to measure energetically. So then they brought another group in and they said, we'd like you to hold these vials, another trained group that, that, were, that were versed in moving into that spaciousness of love and appreciation and holding the vials. And they said, now we want you to generate love and appreciation, but also set an intention to wind and unwind the DNA. So they stood in this field of love and appreciation and then they had set an intention. And they had a, a, a remarkable impact on the DNA. They found as they studied the DNA that they had about a 25% success rate to, to line up. So, and then they had people hold in a third group to change the DNA. They asked them to change the DNA without any emotion. So just hold it. Hold it and, and set an intention to change it, but no emotion involved. And once again, nothing happened. Only when subjects held both heightened emotion and clear objectives in alignment were they able to produce the intended effect an intended thought. So it was the feeling and the intention. That's why when you, you take a, you know, many of our classes here are really around, it's one of the things I love about this amazing, powerful work of, of uh, Prosperity Plus. You spend all that time crafting an intention for your life because it needs direction. The infinite needs our participation saying, this is what I intend. And then you work with it until there's a feeling tone around it to say, yeah, that's for me. This is, this is where I, this is, and energetically, this is where I am right now, even though it's a longing, but to create that feeling tone, as, as Joe uh, Dispenza told his daughter, okay, see yourself there. See yourself in Italy. See yourself doing all these things, feeling it, experiencing. Don't get up from your prayer chair until you've created that feeling tone. But if you sit down, if you don't sit down with a map that says, I am so, it, the first statement in, the, um, in that intention with Mary Manna Morrissey's um, uh, Prosperity Plus is, I am so happy and grateful that. I am so happy and grateful that. And then you, you bring your list of what you're happy and grateful for and build it. Because you're giving the infinite, as Gene Houston would say, give God something juicy to work with. You know, I hope I get to work safe today. Well, that's a legitimate request, but it's kind of boring, isn't it? Haven't you gotten work safe to work several times before? You're probably already established in that consciousness. 
The quantum field responds not to what we want, it responds to who we are being. Who we are being. I listened to this great talk, I shared it with the practitioner students this week, by a guy named, by the name of Daniel Brinkley. And Daniel in 1975 was hit by elect, uh, lightning. And he was dead for 28 minutes. And I've seen him speak at the Agape Church. And if you go online, you'll see him with Dr. Michael Beckwith many times, whose book we used last week. But Daniel goes around now, and he came back, and he's had this amazing experience, and he's got this amazing career, and he came back with this sort of uh, direct channel to intuition and clairvoyancy as a result of dying. He's, he's died three times. And each time he t- talks about the experience. First of all, he says, none of us ever die. So get that. The body goes, but we don't die. And then he talks about this practice that he recommends for people, that when you go in a restaurant and you're waiting, you order your food, well, he says, establish yourself in a a state of grace. And grace is appreciation and beauty. And here's somebody that's going to come and wait on you if you're in that kind of a restaurant. But whatever it is, or you're waiting for your food, maybe it's where you serve yourself, but while you're waiting for your food, take one of those white napkins that are typically there. Sometimes they're beige now, but draw a line down the napkin. And on the left side, put down what you want. What do you want? And then he said on the right side, write down why you want it. And why, because the infinite is not interested in what we want. The infinite is interested in why we want it. See, and there's juice around that. Oh, I want want $10 million. And the infinite says, eh, eh, okay. Why do you want $10 million? Well, geez, here's the things that I could do. Here's the things that I could be in service to. Here's where I could direct resources. I want extraordinarily good health. Eh, why? Because I want to live in vitality. And he said, as he says over and over again, one of his primary tenets of what he does and teaches, and he works with people in hospice care now. He goes in and he holds the hands primarily of veterans. And he said he sees their story when he holds their hand, but he doesn't give them any information to scare them. He just says, is there anything unresolved for you? And can I help you resolve something in your life? Is there a past resentment? Is there something unfulfilled? Talk to me about that. And he helps these veterans that that a lot of them don't have any family make their transition. That's his whole ministry. He's in service to that. He came back with this this ability to be clairvoyant and he he abused it for a while. He would go to the racetrack with his buddies. They'd pick every horse. And he finally realized, this is not why God gave me this gift. This is not why I had this experience. I was here to, to serve. I was here to serve. We're here to serve. And when we have greater resources in our lives and we understand why, I look out at the world and I'm, you know, for me, if I didn't have this teaching, I would go screaming out in the the middle of the night to not have perspective, to not understand that all of it is God despite what it looks like, the the greed and the the shortness of understanding and the lack of compassion. And yet, that's part of the journey too. As Dr. Holmes said, it's all God in expression. And our opportunity is we either wake up or we don't. So this quantum field responds to, to what we want. It responds to who we are being. Same idea, the why. Who am I being in this? What will this allow me to grow into? It's a beautiful thing. Dr. Joe says, I find it useful, the useful model to think of thoughts as the electrical charge in the quantum field and feelings as the magnetic charge in the field. How we think and how we feel produce a state of being which generates an electromagnetic signature that infuses every atom in our world. Dr. Holmes didn't put it that way, but that's what he was saying about affirmative prayer. What am I broadcasting, consciously or unconsciously, on a daily basis? What are you broadcasting? What am I broadcasting? So it should come as a surprise. So I'm doing this work this morning, and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I got an hour taken away. Did anybody else get an hour taken away? Because this used to be... 
This used to be 117. And so I'm putting it all together, and I got my PowerPoint all together, and I got my notes all together, and I'm going to go send it, and typically I, I email it to Laura because she's here earlier than me, and I'm you know, getting ready and all this. We have a little ritual going on, and when you lose that hour, it's a little bit different, you know? And all of a sudden, it's all gone. The whole PowerPoint disappears. I'm like, well, son of a gun, look at that. That's a surprise, isn't it? Wow. But I thought, I'm going to set, I went to bed last night, I read it, and I had my notes done and all that, and I was putting the PowerPoint together in the last minute of the notes, and, and then I said, I'm going to set an intention to be surprised some way tomorrow, to, because Joe talks about that, setting an intention and saying to this infinite divine intelligence, this quantum field, I'm open to being surprised as an indicator that you're in relationship with it. And I got up, and the PowerPoint was all gone, and I said, thank you, God, I can't wait to see how this comes out. This is awesome. But I mean, I had no other choice. Otherwise, I would be a heretic. So what he says about this is the outcome should surprise and even astonish us in the ways in which they come about. We should never be able to predict how the new creation will manifest. They must catch us off guard. Mary Madeline Morrissey says the same thing. If you can manage what you're longing to experience, it ain't big enough. You need the infinite divine presence. You need to be in co-creation with spirits so the richness of this experience can show up and dazzle you and awe you. I love that. It's like, oh my gosh, all I have to do is come up with the what and keep nurturing that feeling tone within myself and the consciousness and keep reading my script. This is where I am going. This is what I'm for. This is what uh, lights me up. This is my why. A world that works for everyone. Well, that's vast. What does that mean? That's so subjective. I know what that means and to clarify that in my own being. So it's a, it's a fascinating, exciting thing. Joe says, to work with the quantum field, the surprise is the result of changing your internal environment and it's altered, this internal environment is altered by our efforts. Strive to create an unknown new future experience. In this, you go from cause and effect to causing an effect. See, we're here to create. Once again, we go back to cause and effect. We're just like Newton and Descartes said, we're victims. I hope I get lucky. I hope I can get, I hope I have enough money to get through the month. I hope I can pay the bills. I hope I can not have a bad day. We're not here to, to live in that, but most people think that way. We are here to create an effect. Create a clear intention, but leave the details to the unpredictable quantum field. Set the intention. If you're going to expect anything, expect the unexpected. Expect the unexpected. Surrender trust and let go of how a desired event will unfold. That's, that's a challenge. He said it's one of the most challenging things that we have as human beings. He says this is our biggest hurdle for most to overcome because we human beings always want to control a future reality. Anybody here can identify with it? That you'd like to create, control your future reality? Yeah. And then, and then this quantum field, for lack of, let's use quantum field instead of God, doesn't have a chance to play. It's like, oh, okay. Eh, don't need me. Linda's got it, doesn't need me. Thanks, Linda, I'll go over here because I'm looking to express something rich and wonderful and new and fresh. And Linda's got it handled over there because she's, she's got familiar going. And that's what faith is all about. And then the last point this week is giving thanks. We typically give thanks for things we already have. 
Dr. Joe says, can you give thanks and feel the elevated emotions associated with a desired event before it happens? In spiritual mind treatment, one of the steps is thanksgiving. And it's not thanksgiving for God, and gratitude, of course, includes that, but God is everywhere present. But it doesn't stop there. It's thanksgiving to know that, that the prayer request and what this client is desiring already exists in the mind of the one. And I give thanks in recognizing it and knowing that it is being made manifest in the experience of someone that asked for me to be of service to give birth to their ideal. That's what the gratitude is. The gratitude creates a feeling tone. It creates an on-ramp for somebody to show up. If you come up and get prayer support and your, and your practitioner is giving thanks and releasing the prayer for you, and by the time you get out the door, you're back into worry and trying to figure out what you're doing, you better walk right back up here and say, could I get another prayer from you? Because I just undid that whole thing in those 75 steps I took. I used to go in and see my teacher all the time, and, and she'd say, no, because she, she learned with me, because I kept fighting for the limitation. So she'd talk to me for an hour, we'd do an affirmative prayer, and then I'd bring the problem back up, and she'd look at me, and she'd go, Really? Let's pray again. I learned to keep my mouth shut after we did a prayer. <laughs> She's a great teacher. She showed no quarter. What a great, she was wonderful. Still is wonderful. I still conclude her in my prayer. She's present with us right now. Ernest Holmes is present in this environment right now. I've used his name a few times today. At the quantum field, here. Jesus of Nazareth, here, energetically. So it works. That's, a, that's the quantum field. I'm not, I'm not a lunatic up here, although some have been accused of me of that. Do you say you like my new scarf? Yes, I do. Thank you. When you're in a state of gratitude, you transmit a signal into the field that, that, that an event has already achieved. Gratitude is more than an intellectual thought process. You have to feel as though whatever you want is your reality at this very moment. That's our part to do. Reach for the highest thought possible and the highest feeling possible. Oh, my gosh. We've all done that at times in our lives because something has been so rich. I know you have. You wouldn't be sitting here. If you haven't done it in this life, you've done it in another life. But you know this, and I know this. So I'm going to finish the story with you here. So she's just asked for the $4,000 to get her to Europe, right? And he said, well... That's not, it's not that I'm an unsupportive parent. But this didn't strike me as what she had originally stated as her target. I mean, this is great parenting, right? What a teachable, beautiful moment. Let's make it easy because I love you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the four grand. She was trying to force and control the outcome of this possible destiny instead of allowing the quantum field to orchestrate the events in a way that was right for her. I advised her to really inhabit that Italian trip and to think feel, speak, and dream in Italian until she got lost in the experience. A few weeks later, she called me again. Her excitement was palpable. She had been in the library chatting with her art history teacher, and they eventually slipped into speaking Italian. Both spoke the language fluently. At that point, her teacher said, I just remembered one of my colleagues needs someone to teach level one Italian to some American students who'll be studying in Italy this summer. And of course, my daughter was hired get this, not only would she be paid to teach, all expenses were covered, but she would be in six different cities in Italy for six weeks, spending the last week in Florence, and be able to come home for the second half of the summer. She manifested her dream job in every aspect of her original vision. 
This wasn't a case of a young woman pursuing this opportunity with the traditional dogged determination to find a program, searching the internet, hounding professors, and so forth. Instead of following cause and effect, my daughter changed her state of being to the extent that she was causing an effect. She was living by the quantum law. As she electromagnetically connected to an intended destiny that existed in the quantum, her body was then drawn to the future event. The experience found her. Isn't that beautiful? See, when we create the consciousness of the thing, it finds us. It has to because we become a magnet. My daughter changed her state of being to the extent that she was causing an effect. She was living by the quantum law. The, the outcome was unpredictable. It came in a way that she in no way expected. It was synchronistic, and there was no doubt that it was the result of her internal ex, ex, efforts. Oh, what a great story about this whole thing. I mean, he could have caved in in the middle, and then all of that. What an empowering thing to give our children. You know, as Jesus said, if you give a man a fish, he eats for a day. You teach someone to fish, they eat for a lifetime. And this is our opportunity and potential. So, so once again, what's the simple thing you can start with for yourself that you long to experience? And then to break it down into small pieces and to move yourself into that small short to start, short periods so it's, it's doable and then slow. How about you, as Joe says at the end of this chapter, how about you? What opportunities are out there waiting to find you? Who are you being in this moment and every other moment? And is your being that way going to attract to you all that you desire? Great questions. Is your being the way you are right now going to attract you all that you desire to experience or not? And it's not a bad thing if you, it isn't. It's just a matter of shifting and changing and opening to an, and creating that landing place for whatever it is that we desire to find us. So it becomes our experience. It's so easy to get stuck in the dross of this worldly experience and the pettiness that surrounds us and, and, and all the things that go on with life. You know, look at that. And so what I know about this consciousness thing is the only way fo forward for this planet and for, for love is to shift and change consciousness. It starts with us, and it, we influence one another by it, and we become, a, we become a power, we become a force for good upon this planet. While we're still doing our stuff, we're still doing life, and still working through those challenges and opportunities. So I just give such great thanks uh, to plant these seeds with you and to be reminded myself when all of the PowerPoint went out the window this morning, I thought, wow, look at this. Look at the energy around this information. Teaching already. So it's a beautiful thing. So what is it? What opportunities are out there waiting for you to find you? And how can you latch on to that and grow that? I'm so happy and grateful that I live this life, whatever that might be. Blessings, and so it is.